Uh, let's pray before we go any further. Father, even as uh, as Aaron prayed earlier, I again uh, thank you that you are reigning now over us and that you are doing so through your Son who came and who uh, conquered our greatest enemies of sin and death so that we uh, now can live through him. We can live by faith in him. We don't uh, conquer those things by our own efforts, but we do so by faith in the one who has done it for us. So I pray that as we think about these things now from your word, that you will make these things very clear to us, and that as we think especially about our role as witnesses to these things, uh, not just knowing them and living in them, but also proclaiming them to others, that you will show us uh, our role in um, displaying and speaking of these things um, wherever it is in the world you might put us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your Bible that you, I think, have, you should have, and open to Acts chapter 13. If you're using one of the Bibles from this room, Acts 13, I believe, is on page... Let me find it here. 788. So if that uh, helps you find it quicker, you can go that route. Uh, One of the main themes in the book of Acts is the theme of missions. So you you could say, I've heard it said, uh, and I think it's accurate to say that Acts is a a missionary book. It's a book on missions. Um, But really that should not surprise us because in a lot of ways the whole Bible is a missions book. The, the Bible is a missionary book, so it's not like Acts is the only book in the Bible to talk about missions. Acts um, has some, uh, I think, special points of emphasis about missions because of when it takes place, uh, when the church was just getting started and when Jesus had just given his, what we call the Great Commission, to go and make disciples to the ends of the earth. Um, and so Acts uh, does have some of those special points of emphasis, but really it's just kind of picking up the story that's been emphasized throughout the whole Bible of God uh, intending to be known and have His glory spread all throughout the earth. Now, I know that as soon as I start talking about missions, some of you tune out. Um, Actually, I guess if we're quite honest, as soon as I start talking, some of you tune out. Um, But we'll be more specific in this case. Uh, As soon as as missions is is mentioned, um, you think, well... That's not really for me. I'm not a missionary. I'm not maybe thinking about being a missionary. Um, Missions is something that other people do that happens far away, and so it's not really relevant. Well, I hope that for a little while tonight you'll stay with me anyway uh, in this conversation because I think we're going to see, if we haven't already in Acts, that all Christians, so so if, if you are here tonight and you are a follower of Jesus, if you've committed your life to Christ, if you have trusted Him for salvation, um, if, if you are seeking to live your life for Him, then in some way, maybe seemingly small, maybe seemingly large, but in some way, 
you will play a role in missions. You will, you will be a witness for Christ to the ends of the earth one way or another. And so then we need to understand our role based on what Scripture says about that role. What Scripture has to say about being witnesses to the ends of the earth. And I think what we're going to find is that when God calls people to serve Him to the ends of the earth, He actually does it in pretty normal ways. So, so we might think of missions as being this thing that requires some sort of special you know, sign in the heavens or special like tingling in your soul from God. And it's actually uh, quite not that most of the time. It's just really pretty normal, I think. So um, I think we'll see that tonight. So, so far in Acts... Um, and again, we're kind of using that uh, Acts 1.8, that maybe key verse uh, there right at the beginning of the book, to think about, uh, as, it, as it talks about ministry in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And so thinking about it um, somewhat geographically. In other words, starting where you're at, and then reaching people where you're at, and then expanding beyond your city to the region, and then beyond the region ultimately to the nation. So we've already seen Acts 1 through 12 has mainly emphasized the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria side of it, which leaves what? Where are we going to go now starting in Acts 13? To the ends of the earth. That's where, this, that's where it kind of expands to. So you should have a bulletin. You should have something to write with. Uh, let this be kind of a, a preparation guide for your discussions you're going to have in small groups here. Uh, shortly, and we're going to go through seven of these realities, seven realities to show that missions is really just kind of normal for Christians and for churches. Um, so I doubt you're going to hear anything really profound tonight, as if as if most weeks you do, you actually don't. But um, you're just going to see again. I think that this ought to be and, and really is uh, mainly just pretty normal for us. So seven realities, and we'll attempt, as always, to do this somewhat quickly. Number one, the first reality is the calling of missions, the calling of missions. Now, um, if you look at the very last verse of Acts chapter 12, um, who are the men that we read about in, in, in Acts 12.25? Who is mentioned there? Barnabas and... Saul, very good. And where are they? They had just returned from Jerusalem. Jerusalem and and um, that was the city, remember, where the church kind of got its start. Now Acts 13.1 says that there were in the church at Antioch. Very good. Uh, so this is, a, this is a different city, but this also was, was becoming somewhat of a hub for the apostles, for those early followers of Jesus. And this is where there was a there there was a church meeting there. Um, I think I think in your notes uh, there probably aren't any blanks for these subpoints. But notice the well. I'll tell you what. Let's read it and then we'll we'll kind of highlight these things. Um, Acts thirteen verse one. There were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Now, uh, what do you suppose these prophets and teachers? We're doing. That's an that's an obvious question. That's a that's actually a really dumb question, but answer it anyway for me. Humor me. Prophesying and teaching. Okay, so what do you suppose they were teaching? Again, 
should be pretty obvious. Probably the Bible, right? Um, probably the scriptures that they had. I want to I bring that out uh, for a point that I'm going to make here in just a little bit. So, in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And then you have the names of some of these guys uh, there at the end of verse 1. Verse 2 says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, so uh, you could say as they're, as they're going about their Christian lives, meeting as a church, the Holy Spirit said, he spoke, and he said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And verse 3 says, Then after fasting and praying, fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. Now, um, go back to verse 1 just, just for a second. In verse 1, are more people mentioned than Barnabas and Saul? Are there other people mentioned? Yes, there are. And, and, and maybe um, these, these are all the people in the church, although I, I don't think so. I think these are mainly those prophets and teachers in the church. These would be the pastors, so to speak, of that church there in Antioch. Um, so, there's, so there's more than one of them. There's, there's more than just these two. Um, when you get down to verse 2, the Holy Spirit says, Set apart for me who? All these guys? No. Who? Barnabas and Saul. Okay. Um, so again, let's think just about what should be pretty obvious here. Did the Holy Spirit ask everybody in that church to leave that church and go to another country as a missionary? No, just a couple of these guys. Um, and he didn't even ask all of the pastors, like all the main leaders of the church. Again, he, he only singled out two of them. So, so does that mean, do you think, that these guys who stayed at the church in Antioch, that they were like lesser Christians because they didn't become missionaries? No, I don't think so. Um, we've, it doesn't seem to indicate that at all. So if you're, if you're like me or if you're like I, I was when I was um, in middle and high school, it, it becomes pretty common for us to think that missionaries are like super Christians, you know, that they're, they have to be extra special in some way or another. Um, and, and again, you don't get that sense at all here. It's just like some were called and set apart for this and others weren't. And either way, they were all just being obedient in their own way. Uh, and it was a good and healthy thing. But notice, again, you've got some of these subpoints in your bulletin. Notice what's included in the calling. There was a church, right? First one, you see the church. There was uh, the Bible, the Word of God. We said that the, te the teachers were probably teaching the Scriptures. Um, there was the Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives this specific um, command, you know, set, set aside these guys for the work that I'm calling them to. And then there was prayer. So even after the Holy Spirit gave this command, the church was like, we're going to pray about this anyway. And they did. And then they laid hands on them and set them apart. Um is any of those four things that's listed there like unusual as far as just normal Christian living? Like is the Bible a normal part of, of how we live as Christians? It should be. I think it is. Prayer is, right? Um, the church is. So probably at least part of the reason you're here tonight is because you have some interest in being with other Christians uh, and, and giving attention to things like the Bible and prayer. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit. We want, to, we want to pay attention and be obedient to God himself, uh, however the Spirit might lead us. Is there anything 
like, like probably I guess what we would think of as the weirdest thing here is that the Holy Spirit talks, um, which, which I would think, uh, just based on my own experience, is, is somewhat abnormal for today. But at least it was a direct command that they knew to obey. It wasn't like they had this feeling. It wasn't like this gut um, reaction. It wasn't some message in the clouds. It was just he told them what to do and they obeyed. Um, they just had to figure out where, they're, where they best fit in God's, in God's plan and be obedient to it. All right. So the calling to missions, uh, again, just sort of happens pretty normally as you and I um, do things like this together. As we try to be obedient to God's word, as we pray together, as we try to figure out where the Holy Spirit's leading us. Um, so, some of you um, have even had conversations with me about maybe going on mission trips. And you're like, I'm just not really sure if the Lord's leading me to go on this trip. And normally my response is, are you a Christian? Well, yeah. Um, do you like serving the Lord? Yeah. Do you like being around other Christians and, and sharing the gospel? Yeah. Well, then I think you can go on this trip and you can be obedient in doing it. Or you could stay home and do it. Like, it's really not a big deal. So don't, don't be too worked up about the Lord. Like, I don't know if God's leading me to go on this mission trip or things like that. It's just, it's just something we get to do as God's people. All right, that's number one, the calling of missions. Number two, this, the second reality here, is the strategy of missions. The strategy of missions. Now look at um, chapter 13 and verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, from there they sailed to Cyprus. Verse 5 says, When they arrived at Salamis, uh, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. So there's at least three people now on their missionary team. Barnabas and Saul and John. Now, um, they had a specific strategy for where they were going. So all these um, cities and places that are, that are mentioned here... These are places that up to this point, Christianity had not gotten into. Christianity had not spread yet to these places. So, notice something of their strategy. Write this in your notes. Uh, their first strategy, apparently, was to travel into cultures that have little to no access to the gospel. Have little to no access to the gospel. Um, this is a place where, where, again, like I said, up to this point, the influence of Christianity had not yet reached. There probably were no churches here. Um, they did have the scriptures, because as we're going to see, well, we already read it in verse 5, where did, these, where did the guys go to? They went to the, in verse 5, they went to the, the synagogues of the Jews, and um, in the synagogues, they, they actually would read... Um, from the Old Testament. But they, they hadn't yet figured out how that Old Testament pointed to Christ. They didn't know anything about salvation in Jesus. So they go, they, their strategy was to go to these places that had little to no access to the gospel. They had to take it there first. The second point of strategy is that they were to establish points of contact with people, points of contact with people, in order to share the gospel. So... What was one thing that um, Barnabas and Saul and John had in common with these people that they start talking to? 
Can you think? They, were, they went to the synagogue. Who met in the synagogue? The Jews. Barnabas and Saul and John were Jews. So they had, they had a um, similar religious background. Now, the missionaries, the three missionaries in this case, had uh, come to faith in Christ, so they, they no longer worshipped the same way that the Jews do. But they established that point of contact, like we're going to go to the synagogue where we know we can relate to people, and we're going to establish that point of contact with them so that we can share the gospel. So think, think about how we do this and missionaries do this, again, pretty normally. Um, does, does it, would it feel weird, or, or maybe you've tried this and could say it does or doesn't, but does it feel weird, would it feel weird for you just to go up to somebody you don't know at all and begin to talk to them about Christ? I think so. In fact, I would, I would suggest that's probably why most of us don't, uh, don't go about it that way. But um, you get to know somebody, you establish a point of contact, you find out points of interest that you share. So, you know, maybe it's sports. I like sports. I follow sports. I play sports. Um, so if I know of somebody else who's interested in sports, sometimes I can use that as a segue to share the gospel with them. Uh, for some of you, maybe it's music. For some of you, it's art. For some of you, it's gymnastics. Um, it, it, for some of you, it's video games and movies and, and that kind of thing. Okay, the point is, um, one of the best ways to share the gospel with somebody is to establish a point of contact, a mutual interest, uh, something similar about your background, and then build a relationship through which you can share the gospel. And then the third strategy there is that they distinguish them between what's true and false about the gospel. So, so if, if, you were to, if we were to keep reading, we won't go through this, read all of it, but you see that even in their initial interactions, there are people who come and oppose what Saul and Barnabas are, are preaching. And Saul has to say, look, what you're saying is false. What we're saying is true. Here's why. Here's how we know it. And so, so they're not afraid to have debates, have discussions, uh, to point out what is true versus what is false. To distinguish, it's not that they're going to be accepting of things that are false. In fact, they're going to they're combat it. They're going to they're gonna go against what is false so they can establish what is true. So that's their strategy. Number three, the third reality, is the message of missions. And here's the message. This is the main message that missionaries give out. The message is the story of the whole Bible as it culminates in Jesus. The story of the whole Bible as it culminates in Jesus. Um, this, is a, this is a long section of Scripture. We, we won't go through and read um, a lot of it, but look, look down at verse 13. <clears throat> Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos. They came to Persia, uh, Perga in Pamphylia. Uh, John left them and returned to Jerusalem, but the others went on from Perga, uh, came to Antioch in Pisidia. So another, another Antioch. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. So again, they're, sat, they're going through the same strategy, going to new places, but establishing points of similar contact. Verse 15, after reading from the law and prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them, saying, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. Verse 16 says that Paul stood up, motioning with his hand, and, and then he spoke. 
And from verse 16 all the way down through verse 41, uh, you have this word of encouragement. Basically a sermon from the Old Testament that Paul preached. And so Paul goes through the whole Old Testament. And he starts with God's relationship with Abraham. And how God established a, um, a relationship with Abraham. Abraham then became the father of a whole nation and then of many nations. So the good news that God gave to Abraham was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. And, and Jesus came to do what Abraham and Moses and anybody else who tried to keep the law could not do. Jesus was perfectly obedient to God the Father, even to the point of death. Uh, so that when Jesus was opposed, just as all of God's prophets were opposed in one way or another, uh, Jesus ultimately laid down his life and did it in a way as, uh, that, was, that made him a substitute for everyone else. So, so you and I uh, need a substitute before God. We are not God. The only way to be made right with God is to have our sin problem taken care of, and that's what Jesus came to do. And, and so, so Paul goes on. He talks about how um, everything that was written in the Old Testament was written about Jesus. He fulfilled it in the way that he lived. He fulfilled it in the way that he died. And he fulfilled it in the way he rose from the dead. So, so verse 30, Paul is very clear. God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared. So he, he showed himself alive to people after he had died. And, and so, so Paul is not afraid to speak that message very clearly because it's the message of the whole Bible. And, and, it, and it's the message that you and I uh, and everyone in the world need. People cannot know God apart from that simple message of Christianity, from that gospel message. And so there's a lot of good things that people can do in missions. Um, there's nothing wrong with taking mission trips to do, do um, good works of you know, construction or of you know, hanging out with kids or of uh, uh, serving and feeding and spending time with homeless people. All those things are great, but if we do all those things and we never share the gospel with people, we, we aren't really doing missions. And so Paul made a priority of actually um, speaking that message of missions. And, he, and it worked. He saw people converted. He saw people come to Christ uh, when he spoke that message. So that's the third reality is the message. Number four, uh, the fourth reality is the priority of missions. All right, the priority of missions. We just mentioned lots of good things that people can do in missions. Uh, again, there's, there's nothing wrong with caring for orphans uh, or, or, or the homeless. Um, there's, there's nothing wrong with humanitarian type works. But the priority of missions, and you see the list there. Uh, look down. We're going to go into chapter 14. We're going to skip way ahead here. Um, Chapter 14 and verse 7. So you read about some more of these cities that the, um, that the apostles tra traveled to, that Paul and Barnabas traveled to. And verse 7 said that even in these new cities, what did they continue to do? Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel, right? That's their priority. They go to these new cities and they're still preaching that same message. Um, verse 15 uh, talks about, uh, Paul says, We bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God. So again, sharing the good news. Look down at verse 21. 
and you see a big uh, list of these priorities that they had. Uh, Verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city, so that city was Derby, and had made many disciples, so, so they're showing these new converts how to follow Jesus, they did all this. Then they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, all those cities they'd been to before. Verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So, so in one of those cities, Paul was actually stoned, um, intended to be killed for his faith. And so, so things were not always easy uh, for these apostles as they went from city to city. And so um, these apostles are reminding them, look, what we're doing is, is hard. What we're doing brings opposition. What we're doing is, um, causes trouble. But verse 23, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. All right, so, so I've, heard it, I've heard it said this way. Um, every missionary's um, goal is to work himself out of a job. All right, so in other words, missionary goes to a place where people don't know Christ, people come to know Christ, and as people come to know Christ, what's established? Churches, right? And as churches are established, uh, then you, you find out who can lead those churches and you appoint them as leaders in the church. And then who takes over the the leadership there in that city? Those elders, right? So the missionary is free then to go on to somewhere else and do the same thing. So make disciples, preach the gospel, build churches, appoint leaders, go on and do the same place somewhere else. That's what you see these guys' priority. Uh, Number five, fifth reality, the report of missions. This is what what you might think of as like the boring part of being a missionary. So... it's not too different from what you would think of us today. These guys go to all these cities. They've done all this work. They have to come back to the church that sent them out and say, here's what we've done. Uh, we saw God work in these ways. We saw churches established in these cities. Um, look at verse um, 27, so 1427. When they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the Disciples. So you get back to the church and they're reporting on all they had done. Number six, the doctrine of missions. Number six, the doctrine of missions. Um, notice what happens when they get back. So they're, they're back in, in Jerusalem. They're having this um, conversation with uh, some of the church leaders there. Look at chapter 15, verse 1. Some men came down from Judea. And we're teaching the brothers that unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Verse 2 says that after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem with the apostles and elders about this question. All right, so they're going to have a meeting. Uh, This is what's, what's called the Council at Jerusalem. And, the, and there's this debate, okay? Um, do, do you think, do you think um, that when Paul and Barnabas were traveling to these cities that they were telling people, hey, you need to believe in Jesus and you need to become a Jew. You need to be circumcised. Do you think that was their message? 
No, it was not their message. What was their message? You need to believe in Jesus, and that's it. You can't do anything else. You can't earn your salvation any other way. You just put your faith in Christ. So there's this, um, uh, again, debate that's recorded here. Uh, You have Peter speaking up at this debate. You have James speaking up at this debate. You have Paul speaking up at this debate. And they were very clear about their doctrine. And here's, here's the first aspect of their doctrine. You can write this in their notes. Justification by faith alone. In other words, people everywhere, not just Jews, people everywhere from all nations are saved, are made right before God only by faith in Jesus. Only by faith in what Jesus has done. Uh, Being circumcised does not help your standing before God. Becoming a Jew does not help your standing before God. Um, even, Even things like coming to a service like this and singing the right songs and taking all the right notes and participating in the discussions does not help you become right with God. You and I are only right with God when we put our faith in Christ who has done who has made us right before God in a way that we cannot be right before him otherwise. It's totally apart from works, uh, which goes along with what Lily read for us in Galatians a little earlier. Now, here's what they here's what they do determine. All right, look at look down at verse 19. Um, this is James speaking in verse 19. He says, "Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. In other words, don't add any more burdens on them. Verse 20, but we should write to them to, they're going to have them do something, here's what it says, to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled from blood. And then here's why, verse 21. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. In other words, their reasoning is, these are just the things that have been required of God's people all the time, that even going forward does not require us to change any affiliation. Because all they're saying is, don't worship idols, and don't commit sexual immorality. And those are things that that the apostles in the New Testament are constantly telling the people of God as well. Don't worship false gods and keep yourselves pure. Abstain from idolatry and immorality. So, sometimes we can fall into like one of two extremes. Um, Some of us, some, some Christians, care only about sharing the gospel. In other words, it's, it's, it's this mindset of we don't really need to study the Bible deeply. We just need to tell people about Jesus. The other extreme, uh, maybe that, that some of us are more guilty of, is um, we're not as good at sharing our faith, but we're really good at trying to defend our faith or explain our faith, uh, going deep in doctrine. Honestly, that's my weakness. I love studying the Bible deeply. I'm not as, uh, as gifted or committed as I should be at telling other people uh, about the gospel. All right, we got to have a balance of both. We, we need to be clear on our doctrine, but we also need to share that message with others. Last thing here, number seven, uh, the spread of missions. The spread of missions. So chapter 15 ends in kind of a strange way. Uh, look at verse 36. After some days, Paul, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. So, let's go back and and check up on our work. 
Verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. It might seem odd to us that you have these two apostles, these two church leaders, who they can't even agree on who should go on the mission trip with them. Um, and they have such a disagreement that they're like, you know what, we probably shouldn't work together anymore. So you take who you want, you go one direction, I'll take who I want, I'll go another direction. And guess what? The Lord took care of it because neither, neither of these brothers was, is it, is it obvious that one was right and one was wrong? They both were doing what they thought best. They both were obedient in their own way. And because they separated, the gospel spread. It went, it went to twice as many places uh, because they said, you know what, we're going to work better if we separate than if we try to stay together. And so they go opposite directions, uh, and missions then is able to happen in more than one place. Now, um, as we break into groups, here's, here's what I hope you'll take away from, from all this. Um, God is not looking for us to be flashy. God is not expecting us to have some kind of, um, again, tingling so that we know how to obey Him. Um, he's just looking for us to be faithful. Whatever way you and I can be most obedient to God in everyday life, just do that. Um, and then see how He leads you to, to give opportunities to um, talk about Him to other people. Maybe the most obedient thing you could do, uh, even tonight, would be just to start a relationship with Him. Maybe you're like, you know what, I've never really um, trusted Christ as my Savior. And so maybe the most obedient thing you could do would just be to say, I want to follow Jesus. Um, I, want, I want to obey Him. Uh, maybe you have a relationship, but there's other ways where you think, you know what, I could just start by being obedient in these ways. Uh, that would probably be a good thing for you to talk about in groups tonight. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll break up. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it helps us to think through uh, who you are, what you're like, what you've done, and and then also to think about how we um, ought to serve you because of who you are and what you've done. So, Lord, um, thank you for the examples in your word of guys like Paul and Barnabas and Silas and and John and James and Peter and um, that, that we've read about tonight who they weren't flashy, they weren't... Um, in it for any other reason other than they wanted to be faithful to you. And I pray that we'll be faithful to you. That's probably going to look different for each one of us uh, based on our own abilities and gifts and um, calling. So, again, help us just strive to be faithful and obedient to you um, in every way so that we might uh, be able to serve you however it is that you might call us to do that. Help our discussions now that they'll glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.